Hi everyone, welcome to episode 80 of the Switch Focus podcast. I am your host, Ginny Wu, and with me today I've got Andrew Brown. Hello. And no Andy Corrigan. Wow, wow. I think Andy's got some stuff on this week, but I'm sure he'll be back soon enough. In the meantime, though, obviously, we'll be subbing in for him and covering off Switch news, uh, some updates about what we played this week and what we're going to play next week. So just as a primer, I'm going to talk about The Last Remnant. I've just crossed myself. You guys can't see it, but I've just kind of crossed myself and gazed heaven, heavenward while saying the game's name. Switch 2.0 rumors and games like Super Mario Maker, Sea of Solitude, Dream Daddy, and Graveyard Keeper. So it's going to be a bit of a packed show. So buckle up and we're going to swing into updates from the previous episode. So let's crack on to it. We've got updates from the last episode. Andrew has an update. Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Andrew, (laughs) give it to us. 70 hours later, I have finished this game. (laughs) Congrats, congrats. I still feel largely the same way that I felt about it. When I introduced it several months back when it first came out, this is a massively single-player offline RPG, basically. (laughs) It's a, it's a, a a raid guild management simulator. I just wish that the story that was being told in the cutscenes is the story that was being told in the game that we're actually playing, because you spend a lot of this game (laughs) running around the map, slaughtering monsters to the point of extinction, doing rare monster hunts. Every so often you'll get into a fight with an esper that gives you a new summon, and a lot of those are hidden around the map. And this is really where I... uh, I felt the game's strength really lied was in exploring all these places in the map and finding all these hidden monsters that you could fight if you bothered to look in all the the nooks and the crannies because there are several areas in this game that you're never really tasked with going into and it almost feels like an early prototype for a party-based monster hunter game and then you get to the story and it's telling like this star wars kind of thing and i watched the final (laughs) cutscene, and i was like wow i can really see the relationships here and the drama that's happening here i just wish it was reflected in the 60 plus hours of gameplay i had played previously because (laughs) with all the sky battles on ships and everything going on and Mm. all these explosions and everything and the game itself is mostly hoofing it cross-country killing monsters so uh i think that this game does have a good story i just don't think that the game they made is very good at telling it so that that's my main issue with it but if you're looking for a really different rpg one that was really shaped by what was happening in game design especially the insurgence of massively multiplayer online rpgs i don't mean the uh the destiny stuff that people today called mmos which are not mmos i'm talking about like world of warcraft everquest or even final fantasy 14 right now (laughs) if you think destiny is an mmo it is not (laughs) so it's a flawed game in some ways the zodiac age update went a long way towards fixing a lot of my complaints about the original game but some things about it just couldn't be fixed especially related to the plot that does make the plot eminently ignorable so if you're just looking for a world to explore to find all of its secrets so you can get into 
big boss fights with hidden monsters, then I think you would get a kick out of Final Fantasy XII. I, I do recommend it. Nice, good stuff. <laughs> In my RPG-related update from a couple of weeks ago, I have finished the last remnant. <laughs> Somehow, 60 hours later, I finished the game. Still don't know why it was necessary that my character thought her sister was good-looking. Still have no answer on that, no clear theory. I weirdly, despite now having some sort of adversarial relationship with anyone that now brings up the words The Last Remnant around me, would still be comfortable recommending this game to people. As I said when I first discussed the game, the plot was just always going to be off the wall. I remember talking about it and just blinking you know, my way through it and just going, you know what, I'm not here really for that. Just probably got some sort of horrifically contrived JRPG plot. Everyone had awful names, which you all will remember. And sure enough, it kind of turns out like one of the old Nier games, but executed with less finesse somehow. And I feel like I completed the game out of anger, but I still have not encountered another combat system like the one in The Last Remnant. I think for all of the game's other faults in its meandering story, in its inexplicable need to to have, well, I suppose, really it was a need then to have 10 million loading screens for everything. Why this remaster was just a straight remaster of a PC port, I have no idea. That aside, the systems within the game, like the combat systems, the skill building systems, how all the characters kind of interact mechanically, I found it, as someone who really enjoys sort of these systems and details in JRPGs, like the ones in Masquerade Songs and Shadows, I I loved it. It kind of reminded me a bit of what I hope using multiple troops and Fire Emblem 3 Heroes will feel like, despite all my misgivings about this game and how I essentially dragged myself through the last 20 hours kicking and screaming out of pride. It feels like one of those seminal titles that people shouldn't have missed. You know, everyone says that the game was completely overshadowed by Final Fantasy, which is potentially true. And that Dragon Quest came out around the same time, and no one had any eyes for The Last Remnant, and that's that's fine. This is the unwanted child of the JRPG renaissance in the West. That's, that's okay. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. But it has a very, very innovative, very, very rewarding combat system. All the mechanical systems work amazingly well together. I wish the plot made any kind of sense to me now. It probably never will, even if I look up a guide, I'm sure I'll still be confused as to who said what when, and who does what when, and who is motivated by what when. But that is fine. I think that it's just such a unique game that you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. You might swap sides on that during the playthrough, that's okay. But it definitely has a very unique mechanical leveling system and combat system that I really wish we saw more often in games nowadays. So if you're at all curious about The Last Remnant, obviously it looks good, it performs well. Story aside, I'm someone who is invested heavily in story. If you are someone that can appreciate the game for its mechanical bits and bobs, and you're not entirely too fussed about how plausible a story might be or can end up being, then I really think that you should check out The Last Remnant. Uh, it looks great, it handles pretty well otherwise. Just a shame that it was almost nonsensical by the end. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> I've conquered my Everest of The Last Remnant. Would I do it again? Pff, pff, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a one and done for me. 
but I do think it's an experience that I'm better off having had. Because now I can appreciate all the modern bits and bobs of current game design and what Final Fantasy does so well. Check it out if you're at all curious about what I've said here and a couple episodes ago. But that was a trek and a half. <laughs> Nothing you've said about that game has sounded appealing to me. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Well, if you're Team Andrew and it sounds like you hate the experience, don't pick it up. It is pretty pricey for a port, I would say. So if you're on the fence, you're like, yeah, not really. It is a lot of money to shell out for a port. So just keep that in mind. Back into Switch news. So like we said, we're going to have a quick yarn about the Switch 2.0. I think earlier this year, we talked about the Nintendo Switch potentially having two versions coming out this year before its sort of official 2.0 release, that one might be a release with higher specs and one might be a smaller release, like a Nintendo Mini of some kind. And this week, we had a couple of rumors kind of pop out around the internet about a Nintendo Mini Switch 2 being what this console is going to be called. These were leaks pulled from a product page about an accessory, and it seems to show a model for a Switch, which looks very similar to what we have already now, just with larger screen real estate and non-detachable Joy-Cons. So we predicted that anyway for, a, I suppose, a bargain bin cheaper Switch version that was just solely portable and not for docking. And as of this moment, obviously no confirm from Nintendo about what's real or not, because Nintendo will never, never do that. Just thought, I guess we'd have a quick chat about what we want to see in, I guess, a smaller mini Switch. So me personally, I think that this rumored design looks fine. I don't care if I can't attach my Joy-Cons. Give me more room for screen real estate. You know, perfectly fine. Have a compatible touchscreen. I know this is horrible and Andrew hates the idea. But, you know, love the idea of having a larger screen, fully touchscreen compatible, Joy-Cons stay on, no need for a dock. I think it looks fine from what from the pictures that we've seen, and we'll link, obviously, the article that we read in the show notes. But what do you want to see, I guess, in a, a sort of like a cheaper, more portable version of the Switch, Andrew? Well, the question would be, will it really be any cheaper? Because I don't know that it will. Mm, you don't think so? Not having the Joy-Cons be detachable might save a lot of money but not necessarily because apparently there's going to be some hardware upgrades to it as well and it's going to have a Mm -hmm. bigger screen so all those cost saving on the joy cons might go back towards those other things being a little more expensive oh interesting interesting right yeah i didn't think about that (laughs) but this is sounding pretty much what i predicted the switch mini would be that's right yeah haven't seen any confirmations of it yet because all we've seen so far is accessories for it so we haven't actually seen the unit itself so we have no Mm -hmm. specific details of how it will work but i would hope that you can still plug it into a dock it probably won't come with one but if you have a dock which you can buy for 90 dollars, my gosh um or if you're at a friend's house or whatever yeah you can plug it into that Mm. from that perspective it would make sense for two different kinds of people the first one would be people who just want a switch and don't want it to play it on the tv they just want it to be a handheld device Mm -hmm. and For people who already have a Switch now and already have a dock, it might be a nice middle ground upgrade until the next big Switch update actually does come out. 
the mm-hmm. the pictures we've seen has a proper D-pad. The cross pad has been controversial. I, I like the cross pad, but not everybody does. So that will probably be a selling point unto itself, that it has a proper D-pad instead of the cross pad. Mm-hmm. And just having a bigger screen would be attractive to some people willing to spend a little extra money. Like I myself, uh, when I had a little more money when I was still a college student and I didn't have as many expenses as I do now, I, I totally upgraded from a standard 3DS to an XL when they came out. So there, there will definitely mm-hmm. be people doing that with this as well. But I really would hope that this would still plug into a dock and be a functional switch rather than completely cutting off one of the core selling points of the system. Like the thing that was really shown when it was first revealed was that it goes mm-hmm. between being a handheld and being a dedicated console. And it wouldn't yeah. be unprecedented for Nintendo to do that because they do have the 2DS, which got rid of the 3D, which was the entire point of the 3DS. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is all but confirmed. Nothing's been confirmed confirmed yet, but if they're they're putting accessories out for it, then we'll see the actual thing. I'm surprised it wasn't shown at E3. Yeah, that's true. Whether I'll be getting one, it's going to depend upon how much of a tech upgrade it is. I think sure, the standard yeah. Switch screen is already plenty big. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I'm not real excited about a bigger screen, but if there's a performance upgrade like with switcher 3 coming out later in the year Mm. i could barely stand the loading times on playstation 4 i don't even want to imagine what loading times will be like on the switch yeah that's true yeah so if if there's a significant upgrade in the processor i might shell out for it it would have to be a big tech upgrade like that not just a d-pad and a bigger screen because neither of those things excite me gonna get on with the games that we played this week so like i mentioned earlier on we've covered quite a range ranging from graveyard keeper to dream daddy and seeing as how andrew has just given us his opinion on switcher 3 and switch performance i'm gonna kick this list off talk about what i played this week so as you may have already predicted i was the one that played dream daddy <laughs> um, no. not to say that <laughs> not to say that it wouldn't really be up andrew's alley but uh Definitely the kind of thing that I would have put my hand up first. If you've been lo- a long-time listener for any number of episodes, you probably have a good idea of who likes what in uh, on this car. So Dream Daddy was my pick. I totally want to get this game. I am already getting too many other things in July, so it's, it's yeah. backburnered, especially since there's, there's yeah. no guarantee that I'm going to even enjoy this game. So Yeah, all good. I'm interested. Sell it to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Dream Daddy is... <laughs> it's a VN. It's a visual novel game with RPG elements and mini games and whatnot. And obviously, as the name Dream Daddy suggests, uh, the full title on the Switch store, sorry, <laughs> it's a Dream Daddy Dad Rector's Cut. Just before we get any further, it is not one of those dating sims that you're going to get weird looks for if you're like playing on the bus okay like you're not gonna touch a peck and feel a hg rumble go off and there's not gonna be anything suspicious or explicit that will that you'll need to worry about not to say that there isn't romance in the game but it's definitely not romance that has i suppose the traditional shock value associated with some of the vns that we have on the switch store for example that uh the gay vampire japanese visual novel which is uh, incredibly explicit and very bloody. This is not one of those things. This is a very tame, 
well, a tamer version, I suppose, of the traditional dating sim. And I would say it kind of draws on dating sim elements while spinning a story that feels a lot more like, I don't want to say coming of age, but it spins a very sort of personal growth story as opposed to a I'm going to shack up with someone story that a lot of VNs kind of fall into the trap of doing. This might be because, spoiler alert, you're a dad in this video game. <laughs> you have a child. You have responsibilities. You are a dad with a child who moves to a new neighborhood, uh, a single dad. And essentially there are other dads in the neighborhood that are really cool and down to clown. And if you want, you can pursue a romantic relationship with one of these dads. That is Dream Daddy. It is about being a good parent, being responsible, and if you want to, knocking boots with some other dads. And how the game unfolds this story for you of you being a parent, you looking after your kid, you potentially romancing other dads or getting to know them, it's kind of all done through... I don't want to overuse the word organic, because obviously it's a game. No system is truly organic. It's it's all done through you making choices like you would in real life. Like, let's say you get a text from your neighbor, and your neighbor says, hey, do you want to go watch a movie? And you can go, yeah, yeah, sure, cool. Or you can go, oh, actually, I've got to help my daughter, my home, my daughter with her homework. I can't go out right now. Either one of these choices that you would make are not choices that seem strictly geared towards building a romantic relationship. A lot of VNs kind of pigeonhole you into the whole someone that you might like says, do you want to go out? And the choices are knock boots or tell them to get lost. The game builds a very, very good story around responsible parenting, around raising a kid, around the tough bits of being a teenager and what it is to be a single parent. And it does all these with a visual novel dating sim as a vehicle for the storylines. So the dating can feel a bit like window dressing in a way if Mm. you choose to not at all engage with it. Like you're not going to get pressured by someone that you're texting in this game to to knock boots or whatever. I really feel like this game, well, I know it's called Dream Daddy and obviously the name people have made a million jokes about it. It is a lot more about being a dad, about navigating your relationship with your child and potential romantic partner than it is about, I am a dad courting other dads, I am alone and single, and I need to get out more at night after hours. It is definitely a game where you're encouraged to interact with your daughter, you're encouraged to make friendships with other people, not just these dads. And there are some pretty interesting storylines that kind of go down, which you don't expect. Some pretty cool character twists, but none of them feel like visual novel tropes, you know, or dating novel tropes. Um, you often get dating sim tropes of like the, you know, the Yandere or the Sundere characters, all absent here. Instead, it kind of feels like you're dealing with fully realized separate people that live their own lives and don't exist in the world to sort of be a vehicle for your romantic needs. It is a VN, which I know might put some people off already because, you know, visual novels get a bad rep. And I completely understand that. I played my fair share of horrific ones. And I also enjoy my fair share of trashy ones myself, but I really enjoyed my time with Dream Daddy. I enjoy the way that it's not just, you know, if you have a, a date with a dad or hang out with a dad, it gives you a mini game of some kind that is specific to the situation. Lots of puns in here. For example, there's a pun which um, <laughs> I released at a local record store, Vinyl Fantasy 7, that's a pun. And there's a lot of variety on how you can interact with people in the game. 
this is a VN that I recommend to people who don't like visual novels. Like, if you've been burned before by a visual novel or a romantic dating sim and you're like, that genre is not for me, it was exploitative or it was uncomfortable, it was this, it was that, then this is the kind of game I would recommend because it gives you a much more holistic, well-rounded look at what really should be the heart of a visual novel or the heart of a character-focused game is building the character and growing the character itself. I would highly recommend this game. I can't rate this high enough. It has great messages about accepting yourself and other people. And if you never want to knock boots with a dad, then don't. That's fine. It's okay. It is an incredibly positive, affirming game anyway. If you're someone who doesn't like the visual novels that I have recommended potentially in the past (laughs) with their use of HG Rumble and uh, questionable visual motivations to romance certain ladies, then please, I would ask you to check out Dream Daddy. It is very, very different and indifferent in a good way. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just really like it. I know it presents like a, a anime dating game with all the, the marketing it's, it's kind of had, but it is really a lot more than that. And that is a small part of it. How many visual novels are really made by Western developers? Dream Daddy is the only one I can think of. Yeah. So this is the only one that is known to me. That is not the... Uh, incredibly explicit vampire love boiler visual novel on the Switch store. <laughs> or the Senran Kagura visual novel games, which are also on the Switch store. And also, definitely, please don't play those on the train. Don't play those in public. You know, you really don't want to do that. Just don't do that to yourself. This is totally different, and I really enjoy it, and I highly recommend it. SEVNs get discounted so quickly on the Switch store all the time. So if price is a consideration for you, I'm sure this brilliant, brilliant game will, in a couple of months, be a lot cheaper. When we're all this busy, we can enjoy this game together. It's great. I love it. I can't, I I really can't praise it enough. It was one of my games of the year when it came out on other platforms. So yeah, very good. Very, very good. Now we'll take a break from uh, visual novels and me gushing about Dream Daddy to Graveyard Keeper, um, which Andrew played. I know this game received lots of Stardew Valley comparisons. I've had a look at a bit of the footage from this game, and I can't see any of those. So uh, what is the deal with this game, Andrew? Give us a rundown. What What is your take on Graveyard Keeper? The similarities to Stardew Valley are definitely there, but the way the game is structured makes it so that way those similarities are mostly thematic. Like... How the game begins is your character is the husband of this woman who is pregnant and has a craving for, I think it's ice cream, uh, in the middle of the night. So he goes to get it, and then when he's on his way home, he gets hit by a car. And when he wakes up, he's in this weird medieval fantasy village, and somebody comes up to him and says, you must be the new graveyard keeper. And that that's how this game begins <laughs> so it's good it's, it's okay. a tonal difference from stardew valley in many many ways that is the main thing that you do is you do care for this dilapidated cemetery next to this old church aside from that you can also take other responsibilities upon yourself like upgrading the church so that way it's nicer you also have a house that you can work on to improve it and you can inherit this garden which you can grow your crops in and that becomes a source of income those systems do work very similarly to stardew valley but the 
emphasis on this game is is really exploring this world and getting to know all the characters who live in it so you can get information about how you ended up here and find a way to get home. There's some really dark stuff in this game, like one of your main helper characters is this talking skull that follows you around and gives you advice. There's also a talking donkey who is a communist who delivers your corpses every week and basically (laughs) seems to live on Animal Farm. There's another (laughs) character who maybe is villainous, maybe he's just... This is just what he does, but he, he is involved in witch hunts, so you've kind of got to be wary about him because, you know, walking around saying, I'm from another world, how do I get home, is maybe yeah. not the best thing to say around a guy who likes to burn witches at the stake. Uh, but you can also do things like actually help him to burn witches, get on his good side. Saying it's like Stardew Valley is a shortcut you could take. I didn't really come away feeling like it very much was structured like Stardew Valley. Like Stardew Valley has that very simple day-night cycle where you work during the day and then at night you go to sleep and the game forces this on you. If you stay up too late then you just pass out and you wake up the next day with a stat drop. This game does not work that way. It has a 24-hour cycle that is always running so you have to actually remember to go back to your house and go to sleep and get a certain amount of sleep, which I just utterly failed at. I was constantly <laughs> out until the next morning or the next day because I just was not paying attention to that aspect of the game because I'm so trained from Harvest Moon and from Stardew Valley of basically being told it's time to go home and go to sleep or else there will be consequences. Uh, in, in this game, the consequences are you might miss out on an important appointment in the coming day and you'll have to wait a week for that person to be in town again so you can try again i found that very daunting and very difficult to keep track of and it also has like a a full-on tech tree like stardew valley has that as well but this one it's actually presented as a tech tree that you have to work your way through and this is where i really stumbled with graveyard keeper was because your source of money at the start is so scarce that it's very difficult to get the things that you need if you don't buy them in a very specific order. So I eventually reached a point where I felt like I I have used up all my resources and I've spent them on things that haven't proven as useful as I thought they would be. I wish I had gotten other things. So I I got myself to a place where I, I feel like I need to restart and make better choices about tech trees and the tools that I'm building back at my house so that way I can actually make money because the other alternative is Mm -hmm. just waiting week to week to make the very small amount of money I make from that weekly corpse that gets brought in by the donkey which I can then inter in the graveyard and you make a small amount of money for doing that and Mm -hmm. I I just I haven't gone back to it yet Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is an interesting game it's a deep game I can tell that already and I just haven't mm-hmm. had the time to give it that it probably deserves. I think if you've played Stardew Valley and you've done everything in it, this might be worth a look. But just for its okay. sheer accessibility and also for its depth of things to do, Stardew Valley has this game licked. I have no doubt of that. But this is an interesting mm-hmm. alternative. Like, I, I know Brad Galloway of Game Critics, he, he played it about the same time as I did. And he felt overwhelmed by Stardew Valley and he was charmed by the obviously darker sense of humor that graveyard keeper has so he got into it so if you don't 
like the sound of Stardew Valley, you might get into Graveyard Keeper a little more because it does have a very specific goal for you to accomplish. Whereas in Stardew Valley, it's just mm. like, here's all the things you can do. See what you can get done in this three-year time period. And then even if you fail at that, the game just keeps going anyway. But Graveyard Keeper mm. does not give you a time limit. And it gives you a very specific goal. You're in this new world. Find a way home so you can get that ice cream to your wife. It's an interesting game. It's it's a it's a dark take on. I don't want to say Stardew Valley, but that is uh, again that that's the easiest way to sell this game. But it's very much its own thing once you've actually sat down and played it. That sounds really interesting, actually, because I'm a huge Stardew Valley fan, and I hadn't really seen, I guess, the direct similarities in the footage I've seen, but. I like a game with more direction, clear goals, and the kind of spooky mm. twist, um, and the witch hunter guy, all these kind of other elements seem quite interesting to me, so... Well, this gives you a, a quest log of all the things that you're supposed to be accomplishing right now. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I found very quickly that I was just having to sit around for a week for that character to be available again, because most of the characters are just visiting the town and to complete the quest, you just have to wait until the one day of the week that they show up. That I kind of struggled with a little bit, because in Stardew Valley, you just have to know people's schedule. They're always around somewhere. Yeah. If you're really goal-oriented and you're really on top of things, then Graveyard Keeper will reward you far more than Stardew Valley will. Another game that Andrew played this week was Super Mario Maker 2, which we had already kind of talked about briefly last week with Andy's contribution. But I know that you were keen to jump into it more this week. So do you have any further thoughts on Super Mario Maker 2? And what are they? Have you built some levels? What's the tea? I haven't built any levels yet. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I ever will. Because contrary to the sheer number of people who just dash off a level in five minutes and hit upload, uh, making a good level in Mario Maker is a serious time commitment. Even a mm-hmm. really basic level made well it's going to take you a couple hours if it doesn't take you that long you should really strongly reconsider pressing that upload button please please don't (laughs) (laughs) put some effort and some thought into what you're uploading (laughs) yeah all right i have completely finished the story mode now i've finished all the jobs in it and gotten all the little maker profile rewards you get for it and that's the main thing that you're doing in that mode is unlocking these cosmetics that you can dress up your maker character it's based on your me and that's what is presented to other players when they see your comments or when they play your levels if you want to be fancy in that little circle you've got to spend a lot of time in the story mode and also a lot of time in the actual course world which is where most of the game's modes come from and i talked about this a little bit last week while andy was talking about it and that's the endless challenge which i think is where the real meat of this game is at Uh, it's divided into easy medium expert and super expert and there's already people who have just played this mode to death you earn rewards just for reaching certain milestones on different difficulty levels but there's also medals you can earn on your profile which are determined on your overall ranking on these challenges and they are endless challenges so you just keep going until you run out of lives it's completely endless just as there is a nominally endless number of courses available i think like the top player in the world i just checked this just before we started recording The top player in the world has cleared 6,643 courses so far, most of them on easy. I can actually look 
at his profile and see down to the down to very minute levels what he's doing and he's just playing easy levels over and over and over again and that was a real problem in the first game was the quality of courses you would get were very dependent on some mechanics that weren't doing a very good job of sorting out what the levels were like i think they was mostly determined on how many times the player died and the level's actual clear rate. So these super expert courses you got weren't necessarily hard levels. They were just levels that would just kill you in stupid ways that you couldn't possibly predict. So yeah, like like (laughs) you take a step forward and you get killed by a thwomp from off screen that you had no way of knowing was there. Or just just nonsense like that. Just just stuff I got, I took to calling troll levels. Uh, another popular troll level tactic is to have a door that drops you into a pit that you can't get out of. So you either have to start over the level or do what I do and just skip the level. My time is too precious to waste time with troll levels. So <laughs> if, if even now mm-hmm. you still see that stuff. But it has been reduced. Uh, we're only a week into this thing, so there's still plenty of time for the Super Mario Maker community to be just be overwhelmed with garbage levels, but there's a new ranking metric in addition to the clear rate and how many times people have died trying to clear the level. There's also a yeah and a boo. From what I understand, if a course gets booed too many times, then it just gets removed from the sorting entirely. So that's oh, wow, a nice okay. way to get rid of troll levels and also just, just garbage levels where somebody just spammed buttons on the screen and then uploaded the level but with this ranking system where it actually tells you how many levels you've cleared and your overall ranking in the world based on those level clears and it actually gives you a little medal on your profile like right now on medium difficulty i am in the top 1000 players for number of courses cleared so it gives me a little bronze medal in my profile and there are medals you can earn for all the different difficulties in Endless Challenge. There's medals you can earn for the competitive mode. There's medals you can earn for uploading and just the quality of your levels and how much they get played and how many upvotes they get. All of these things go into unlocking more of your me profile costumes. So there's a lot of cool things to unlock, which people know, I'm sure, by now that I, I enjoy those things. If I wasn't doing this podcast and I didn't have a gajillion other games that I'm trying to play right now, I, I could easily see myself being just utterly consumed by this game. This is a game where if you buy it and you have an internet access, it will keep you playing forever if you enjoy what it gives you. But the name is misleading. It's called Mario Maker, but uh, there's a an Australian critic and academic. His name is Brendan Keogh. He said something about the first game years and years ago when it first came out that always stuck with me is Mario Maker is good at making Mario Maker levels, but it's not good at making Mario levels. So like, if you're playing this, mm. you shouldn't expect to play many levels, if any levels that are like something out of Super Mario World. Mario Maker levels are very much their own thing, and I love them, but I, I would understand somebody being alienated by them because they have their own design ethos, that is just a natural result of the tool set you have to make it with. And they have their own little quirks that don't necessarily translate one-to-one to how you would play in Super Mario World. So a lot of the things that you're required to do to clear even like a basic mid-level 
standard quality Mario Maker level would require tactics and tricks that would wouldn't necessarily not work in like Super Mario World, but would just be in situations you would never see in Super Mario World. It's very much its own thing, but I I do love it. Mario Maker might actually feed a lot into my disappointment with Mario design in general lately, because it. it okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I'm tired of collecting stars. I've talked about that before. And I found New Super Mario Brothers to just be a complete letdown. But Mario Maker on the Wii U was my game of the year that year came out. It's a strong contender for game of the year this year already. Uh, this is the best game on the Switch so far this year. Wow. Luckily, it looks like the last six months of the year are going to be much stronger than the first six months of the year have been. And this was a great game to kick it off with. If you're just looking for a time filler game, something that is always offering you something new to do, because even outside of the Endless Challenge, if you don't want to, you know, just play the Endless Challenge for hours on end to find the good levels, you can just go to the course portal and just go to popular courses. And there will be dozens and dozens and dozens of completely new levels there, new that day, that are all excellent. They're all wonderful. Uh, Mario Maker offered ridiculous amounts of content on the Wii U, but was always constrained by the fact that it was on the Wii U and not many people really owned it. So it had a deep community, but it didn't have a broad community. Since the Switch has such a huge install base, this is a real chance for Mario Maker 2 to really come into its own and really provide a lot of longevity. Uh, and I foresee that coming. There's already, as recently as E3, people have been talking about how they are going to add new styles to the game through DLC because the menus, you can see it, they're just built that way for them to be provided. And when I finished story mode, it said, congratulations, you have completed every job with Mario. And I was like, what? I, 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 there isn't even an option to change characters. What do you mean with Mario? So we might be seeing a new story mode coming that adds Luigi's jobs when Luigi's Mansion 3 comes out. It could happen. I think this is one of the must-own games on the Switch now. If, if you enjoy Mario on any level, or you're just looking for a game that is entirely fed by bottomless amounts of content from a vast community, many of whom are level design geniuses who probably should be working professionally in game design, but the, <laughs> the industry just isn't built to support them, then don't miss Mario Maker 2. It's an incredible game. And yeah, I have seen my fair share of Mario Maker levels pop up here and there, everywhere. So I'm kind of feeling the burn as someone who is not currently playing Mario Maker 2. I just see all of my friends making levels and I'm like, man, this seems really fun. It may change my mind, but like I did say last week, this is very much the kind of game that I would play with my mm. brother um, when he was living with me. So for me, I mean, I, I experienced it completely from like a local multiplayer side. The more I see of Mario Maker on my timeline, the more I feel like it's succumbing to peer pressure and I'm very easily influenced. Do it. <laughs> so I suspect a couple, I suspect honestly a couple more people going, oh, hey, Ginny, like, want to check out this level of mine? Like, if I have to say, oh, actually, I'm really sorry, I don't have Mario Maker, like maybe about six more times, I might very well just end up giving in. That might be Andrew's way forward here. <laughs> Um, if enough of you guys at me and come and try your Mario Maker levels, I will succumb to peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah, watch this space, indeed. Yeah, because even outside that portal that's provided for you in-game, the Wii U version mm -hmm. was very restricted by how 
the only way you could really share content from it, unless you had an external capture device, which not everybody yeah. does, was sharing to the Miiverse, which was, again, mostly localized to Wii U. You could look at it on a web browser, but not many people actually took advantage of that. But mm. with Super Mario Maker 2, you can post directly to Twitter and directly to Facebook. It puts the Super Mario Maker 2 hashtag right on there for you. So mm. even outside mm-hmm. of that portal that you can look at that shows you hot levels, popular levels, all-time levels... You can just go down the Super Mario Maker 2 hashtag and you'll find lots of great stuff there that is not even being recognized by the portal. This is a great piece of community-driven software. And it's another reason mm-hmm. I'm just fed up with people who say that Nintendo can't multiplayer because they can. You just uh, you just need to be open to how Nintendo does it. Last but not least, Andrew has also picked up Defunct this week. So this is one that I actually know nothing about. So I knew a little bit about Graveyard Keeper. Obviously, everyone's been super hyped about Super Mario Maker 2. Defunct, I know absolutely zero about. So what is up with this game? Give me the rundown. Defunct is one of the games I picked up for a couple bucks on sale. So low ex- low okay, expectations, yeah. low ceiling there. Yep. And uh, it certainly struggles to reach that low ceiling. There's some good ideas here. You play as this little robot who gets thrown off of his spaceship, which is flying over this junked planet which strongly resembles earth but there's no life on it except for all these robots that are racing around on it and this robot has to race across the surface of this planet to get back onto its ship before i guess before it leaves without him exactly what the drama of the situation is isn't explained very well because there's no exposition there's no dialogue or text or anything in this to explain what it is it's just a robot you're on a planet Here's your controls, race across this world. And you can use like a gravity matrix to link yourself to the ground and make yourself go faster when you're going downhill, but you've got to make sure you take it off when you go uphill, otherwise you lose all your speed, and you need to do that to make a lot of jumps over things. And you can also magnetize your robot so that way you can stick to the sides of walls and you're basically grinding along walls between gaps when you're doing that. It's all physics-based. It all works functionally. I didn't immediately start pulling off amazing tricks. There's a definite learning curve to these controls. And the game's only about an hour long, and there's there's only okay. a few environments. I got through it very quickly, and I, I didn't feel that it made much of an impression on me. Unhelped by the fact that it, while it's graphically a very good-looking game for its price point, there's almost no sound design to be heard of. I actually thought my headset was broken because when the game started up everything was so muted and dull Uh and there's not a lot of music Uh, like the sounds that your defunct robot makes aren't barely audible i i don't know what was going on with the sound maybe maybe when i booted the game up i had got a a sound glitch and it just affected my entire playthrough that's possible (laughs) uh but (laughs) i was actually concerned for a while that uh something was off with my sound it's just a physics racer. It's got things you can collect. It's got these little side areas you can explore, but I never felt any need to actually go into them. And It's a game for two bucks I blew through in an hour. I've tossed it on my stack of beaten games for the year. I'm pretty satisfied with it in that regard, but this is not something that I'm like shouting from the rooftops that you should go out and buy this game because that game is Super Mario Maker 2 this week. Defunct... When you see it on sale again, you could do worse. 
but you could do better too. <laughs> Yikes. It's it's Wally if it was a racing game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that particularly sells me on the premise um, of Defunct. Yeah, it's it's Wally with no emotion and more racing, I guess. <laughs> so all the good bits of Wally taken out. Pretty much, yeah. It, it, this game definitely has no heart. I, I felt bad about that. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Oh well. Well, there you go. If you want a a, a, a Wally racer without the emotions of Wally, that is an option for you. It looks like the Switch eShop is still home to plenty of good cheap deals on games. If you want um something quick to play, so there you go. It's a viable option. Moving on to what we're going to play this week, bit of a shorter list, well, bit of a longer list for me, actually. Seems how I would have, I'm going to have a lot more free time on my hands coming up after living in Final Fantasy XIV for the past 12 days. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to get around to 100% completing Bloodstained, I think. It's just <laughs> this need within me, um, which I try to suppress whenever I say I'm a recovering completionist. That's never really true. And I know that Dragon Quest Builders comes out yeah. next week um, on the Friday. So Dragon Quest Builders 2. So like I said, the first one was my first Dragon Quest Builders experience. I thought it was great. I love it so much more than Minecraft. And even though Andy scoffs at me for saying that. So I'm definitely going to get my hands onto 2 when that comes out next week. So stay tuned. Watch this space, and I might try and romance another daddy and dream daddy. Uh, Andrew, what are you going to play this week? Well, I played the Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo last week. It was amazing. Mm. A- a- yeah, as it was. I said from screenshots and video, we saw that it- it's making the first game look like a tech demo. Uh, the demo of Dragon Quest Builders 2, Dragon Quest Builders 1 is a tech demo. This game is going to be incredible, I can tell just from the demo. But we'll talk more about that next week. Mm-hmm. I've only had it for a few hours because we record on my Friday and it comes out Friday. So I may not have a whole lot to say about it next week, but I'm going to play it for a few hours. And also (laughs) skulls of the Shogun bonafide edition is a strategy game out next week. I'll be taking a look at that and dead in Vinland true Viking edition, which is a survival game. Yes. I'm still looking for a good survival (laughs) game. (laughs) Yeah. That's also out next week and it looks like something i would really get into so i'll be trying that as well awesome there we go all right and i'm sure andy will have an update for us when he gets back last i had to think he was playing my friend pedro i believe and kind of getting into that so we'll see if he's finished that by the time he touches base again thanks for listening to this episode of switch focus podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on iTunes or give us a pop on Spotify. It really helps to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. You can also join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocus.com for updates, news, and other content. And we're going to leave links um, for you in the show notes and a link to that Switch 2.0 rumor article that we were discussing earlier today. So if you want to support the show even further, you can also buy us a coffee and we'll have details for that up on our website and in our Discord server. You can follow us individually. Andy is at Flame Rose Toast. Andrew's at Play Critically. And he streams also at twitch.tv slash playcritically. Maybe this week we'll see something on the stream. Who knows? 
And I am Ginny at Ginny Wars. All right, thanks for listening. Bye.